Welcome to The Dreaming. I'm Joe Fulgham. I'm Sasha Smolders. This is The Sandman, Issue 16, Lost Hearts. Starting off, as usual, with the cover, we've got a Dave McKean creation, as we have with all the Sandman issues. Number 16, what have we got here? It looks like a topless woman... But I also think she might be sitting in a wheelchair, so it might be Unity Kincaid from back in the day. Oh, wow. Right? You see the wheel? It looks like a wheel that's next to her. Yeah. Uh, I have a little a little note from Dave McKean uh, in the collected Sandman covers, dust covers. Mm-hmm. Uh, since many people seem to like the cover for number 16, but had trouble deciding what they were looking at, a painting, a photograph, I started saying that I'd shot a roll of 24 35 millimeter black and white photos as reference for the cover. And when they were developed, the negative numbered 25 had this image on it. Hmm. I printed it up and used it, decided not to think too deeply about how it got there. The truth is, it's a photo of Neil sitting in my living room. Oddly enough, the first explanation actually sounds more plausible. <laughs> so the uh, topless woman is Neil. Okay. And he's sitting on Dave McKean's uh, couch, it seems. Mm. Well, I still, in my head canon, it's... <laughs> Unity Kincaid in her wheelchair out in front of the group home that she was in. Okay. You can see the building in the back. Sure. And I don't know why picture flames are... I don't know why picture frames and flames are all around and stuff. Yeah. That's its own thing. I don't know. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neil notes, all I remember about this was how cold it was. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there you go. Uh, the Dreaming has now unearthed Two topless Neil Gaiman photographs Mm. for people to peruse. We are just coming up with the goods, folks. And then we get some topless Morpheus. Yeah, there he is. His cloak is pretty cool in this entire exchange. Like it's no, it's not actually like on him, but it never falls off. Well, he's he's basically got it to match Rose. Rose is wearing a sheet that acts like a dress sometimes, and then other times doesn't. And so he's decided to dress himself in the same way. You're right. He's totally reflecting her, but in Mm -hmm. his cool, dark way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of notes for this episode. Um, There's not a lot to reveal because a lot of it is just the story ending. Mm -hmm. I do have some stuff, though, but let's go through. She's in the dreaming. He's pulled her there. And she says, uh, you're a vortex of the dream. So... So you're going to kill me? He's like, yeah. So we have to assume between the last issue and this one, he explained that a little bit. Because he doesn't say that to her in the last one. Yeah. It's only uh, Gilbert that... Right. It was Gilbert that said that to us. Yeah. But apparently he said the same thing to her. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to kill you. <sighs> why, would he, why wouldn't he just do it? I, I think because he wants to be honest with I, her. I think you're right. We see why. That's what this issue's about. Why wouldn't he just kill her? actually now my thought is if he's gonna offer her because he says at a certain point like hey you can always stay and be a dream if you want you can stay in the dreaming Mm -hmm. he could have shown her like a less barren part of the dreaming was my thought until what happens later yeah realize this is just to make us see the next part of it as so much cooler well let's get to that Mm -hmm. shall we he comes down he tries to console her a bit actually reaches out to put his hand on her shoulder she seems to be kind of taking it okay yeah. Why me? And then we see Gilbert and Matthew working together. Come into the dreaming. Mm-hmm. And Gilbert very specifically points out Fiddler's Green is not a who, it's a where. 
I was not a person, Matthew. I was a place. So the dream of a place became human to try mm-hmm. it out for a while. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that too. And I like his choice in human form. Of G.K. Chesterton, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Love it. Let us make haste, friend Raven. It's getting colder. We are close to them now. And over here on page five, we have Morpheus explaining, once in every era, there is a vortex. Even I do not know why. A mortal who briefly becomes the center of the dreaming. And this, a mortal who becomes, who briefly becomes the center of the dreaming, kind of flies in the face of issue 10, where Lucian had assumed the vortex was an it, but now Dream is kind of saying it's always a mortal. It's oh. A, oh, he said, no, it's a she. Mm, yeah. But that could have just been Lucian's non-gendered pronoun, and perhaps, you know, sometimes it's a mortal that does use an it of some type, mm. right? That was his, I don't know what it is, instead of it meaning object. Yeah. Yeah, that's a little odd. This is kind of my thought as well. Sure, there are these non-mortal vortexes or vortices every once in a while, but those are easy to deal with. It's like, oh, no, a vortex. Oh, yeah, cool. Got it. Because mm. it's just a thing, right? Oh, this pillar has become a dream vortex somehow. Mm. I don't know how that would happen. I think actually it would probably have to be mortal. It would have to dream. Yeah. And also, hmm. if this takes place in the DC universe, there are immortals in the DC universe, aren't there? Or in the Sandman universe, are the immortals only the endless? I th- Well, it depends on what you mean by immortal. Right? Like, there are immortals who don't die. I mean, we've got Hob Gadling. Mm-hmm, but he but dreams. But they can be killed. He, apparently, what we know about Hob Gadling now is Hob Gadling will die when he decides that he'd like to die. Okay. But, Every hundred years, he gets a chance. But if for some reason he was a dream vortex, I think that I think Neil, you have to I, go. I think, that, oh, I think that the Morpheus could kill him. Right, right. I yeah. think the word mortal, I think he means, you know, uh, a not me, a... A thinking being. A sentient. I don't think he specifically means like not necessarily, quote, immortal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't think Hob Gadling is going to be around when the universe's lights go out. So I don't Mm. know if that's his version of immortal. I think that's the dream's version of immortal, really. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. At the end of this story, we find that out. Anyway, it's very dangerous. It destroys the barriers between dreaming minds and basically wrecks the dreaming and then expands and expands and expands. That's bad news. Apparently, it, it happened once and Dream didn't stop it. And an entire world was lost. Mm-hmm. Half a universe away. That is another story that we should get at some point. Yeah? I think so. Mm-hmm. I like how she's like, whatever, you're like the king of this place. Can't you just magic whatever this is out of me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what I thought was going to happen in this episode. <laughs> episode issue. <laughs> Oh, come on, please. Well, okay. I am the Sandman, after all. (laughs) Fix everything. It's kind of how he's handled a lot of things so far, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, no. How will he deal with this super dangerous and vicious murderous dream? Um, I'm your boss. I'm going to unmake you. You're done. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's been pretty... Oh, no. How is he going to deal with this guy with the ruby of all of his power? Oh, he crushed it. No, I'm fine. Mm Mm-hmm. But in this one, it's like, hands are tied. Again, rules, right? Got to do this. This is my job. Oh, responsibilities. Sandy. Just when we thought you were a Mary Sue. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he is Lord of the Realm. His wishes are paramount, but he is not omnipotent. Hmm. 
And then he offers for her to stay in the dream world. Some mortals are given that option. My Raven Matthew was once a mortal man. We know that. He was uh, in the Swamp Thing comics. But Rose don't want to die. She doesn't want to die. And I am sorry, Rose. The Morpheus that we see in the flashbacks, do you think he would be one to apologize like this? I don't know. Like, I think we've seen a bit of a difference in personality. Not a lot yet. Mm. But remember with the Hobgadling story, right? He was like offended that somebody would consider him a friend. Yeah. And then post-imprisonment, we have Dream, like not even being, uh, I guess I'm your friend, but full on saying, oh, isn't this how we greet friends? <laughs> full on accepting, yes, you're right. We are friends and that's why we're meeting. Yeah. And having this big change. And I, I think it's because of his imprisonment mm-hmm. that being close to omnipotent has made it difficult for him to understand mortals, mm. right? But then getting locked up for that amount of time, he's like, oh, yeah, things can suck sometimes. <laughs> I should care about how things suck for other people. And that's kind of what I see here, right? Because I think older Morpheus would, or previous Morpheus would go, I don't understand why you're upset. This is my job. I just have to keep the dreaming safe. Yeah. And, you know, it's just death, silly mortal. Who cares? Mm. But here he's saying, I am sorry, Rose. Mm. And then we have Gilbert showing up. Whom? Whom? It's funny. The first time, instead of just sounding like a little hmm, now it's like an exclamation. I don't think you've ever heard him exclaim whom before. Whom? Whom? Rose Walker. (laughs) I guess. I I just feel like it needs to sound more walrusy. Oh, yeah. It has to be going, I, I don't have a mustache to speak no, through. No, I don't either. So big walrusy mustache. Yeah. So I can't really do it. Just as a listener, just we, just imagine it more walrusy. And Morpheus sees his fourth missing dream. Mm. Fiddler's Green. Why did you leave? I relied on you. I trusted you. You were so steady. You were the heart of the dreaming. I love this response. It's just wonderful and curious. I left because I was curious and because I was tired. Life as a human contains substance I never dreamed of in the Dreaming Lord. The little victories and the tiny defeats, I had my reasons. It's kind of like a death takes a holiday thing, right? Mm-hmm. Dream, a, a dream of a place takes a holiday yeah. as, a, as a human being and kind of makes a copy of a pretty interesting one as well. If people don't know by now, G.K. Chesterton is one of Neil Gaiman's favorite writers. Mm. Yeah. It reminds me of that Kevin Smith movie... Dogma. Dogma, where in it, God becomes a human. Mm-hmm. And very early in the story, he becomes a human. And then he gets beat up by a bunch of um, uh, road hockey players. Yeah. Teenagers who are also possessed by Satan. Um, yeah. And they beat him up and put him in a coma. And the entire story is them not sure where God is because God has left to become human. He does that sometimes, but he's unfortunately stuck in a coma through the what whole thing. If God were one of us. Mm-hmm. I really like that movie, actually. It's one of my favorites. I like it. And we have one of your predictions coming half true. Because mm-hmm. you predicted that Gilbert would offer his life for hers and yeah. maybe sacrifice himself so that she could live. And he certainly offers. But Morpheus points out that's not an option. Mm. It's not that somebody must die. It's she's the vortex and the vortex has to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, what do we get from Morpheus? He's sorry. Mm. We go back to see Miranda and Unity. And Unity's passing. She's dreaming while she dies, basically. 
Well, she's falling asleep and knowing that falling asleep is the first step before just dying. Yeah. Yeah. It's harder and harder to stay alive. The voice whispers to her of her life before the long sleep, whispers childhood dreams of a tall, dark man whose eyes danced like twin stars in her head. Mm. Whispers the truth. So here's my question after reading through this and knowing kind of what this voice is whispering. Who is this voice? Mm. So if we're in a world full of, right, this is something that I that I still don't understand, actually. Who is, how did Unity know this? Well, because she was the vortex. So she was peering into the dream before... Right, but All how would she happens. know that she was supposed to be the vortex, but but Morpheus got kidnapped, and that's why oh. she wasn't, and it got delayed somehow. So what was it? Was there, right? And I have a theory, because she's almost dead, right? Mm-hmm. She's dying, basically. So death is telling her I this. wonder if it's death who said, hey. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's the only other big player I could imagine yeah. intervening in any way, subtly. And, and then she gives into sleep, her breath shallow and halt, dying in a world she finally understands, Unity dreams. So she's dreaming while she dies, mm-hmm. which means she's going to see Sandman, but the only other, quote, character that we know of that could be talking to her at this time has got to be death. Yeah. And I'm just going to say this now, again, I didn't even have that question until this read through. Mm-hmm. I kind of got to the end and was like, yeah, that's great. I remember that happening. And then I, in my head, I was like, how did Unity know that? And you go back and that's where right there, the voice whispers to her of her life before the long sleep, which is when Morpheus was imprisoned, whispers childhood dreams of a tall, dark man whose eyes dance like twin stars are in their head. That's Morpheus. Yeah. So there's a voice whispering to her, about how she would dream of Morpheus when she was younger. Yeah. So I guess she had those dreams, and then she was supposed to be the vortex and was supposed to collapse all the things. But Morpheus got imprisoned. Mm-hmm. And then what happened to the vortex? Why did the vortex not just wreck everything? Yeah, which we find out Somehow later. we find out a little bit later that the vortex moved on. Mm-hmm. And it moved on because of what unity does in the dreaming, but she does it because a voice that we don't know about whispered to her is what I keep focusing on this, Mm -hmm. but it's one panel that explains a whole bunch of stuff. And then that's it. It's dropped. It's never dealt with again. Yeah. I think it's meant to be just a little hint, but that, yeah, if you analyze it, you can find it, but it's Mm -hmm. not necessarily important to know that death would do that. Now, I say all of this, like I found this nugget. If anybody thinks, oh, no, Joe, it's totally this. We know that it was this. Then let me know mm-hmm. because I do miss things a lot. Yeah. I have a few things at the end of this episode to talk about. We'll get to, actually. Mm-hmm. Some instant follow-ups. So Unity Dreams. And we're back with Gilbert and Rose. And again, it's like, isn't there anything that can be done? And mm-hmm. Matthew points out death isn't so bad. You get used to it. I did. I wasn't having much of a life, mind you, <laughs> which is kind of true, especially yeah. at the time when he died. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so at least he's admitting, okay, look, it might be different for me. <laughs> I mean, I really wouldn't even be that attached to having a human body at that point after what had happened to it. I'd be mm-hmm. like, a bird body? Yeah, let's try that. Yeah, let's do a bird body. That's, That's cool. fine. Yeah. 
And we get a goodbye with Gilbert Mm -hmm. over several panels, which is really nice. Farewell, my dear. You were the best thing about being human. After your death, if you do stay in the dreaming, then visit me. Walk in my meadows and my green glades. Rest beneath my trees. Mm. And he twinkles away, and suddenly the barren desert landscape Mm -hmm. is replaced by a beautiful green field and green trees and mm-hmm. mountains and lush is I clouds. think the word that we want yeah i think uh, i think that's a rose i think that's probably supposed to be a rose in the foreground or an orchid of some type and uh, if it's not a rose it's probably oh, no, uh, it might right. be a yeah. hibiscus yeah. like it's got yeah it wouldn't be an orchid oh they're on the next pages they are they are roses you're yeah. absolutely right if it was an orchid it would be at the top of a tree in some of the smaller panels in some of the other panels, they're kind of uh, indistinct, but there's one a couple pages later where it definitely looks like a rose bush. The ones in the grass look like poppies, but yeah. then the bunch looks like roses. Yeah, so, so basically lots of pretty flowers. Yeah. And we see Fiddler's Green uh, as the place that he is. Matthew remarks, Fiddler's Green, huh? Nice place. Mm-hmm. Matthew's great. And apologizes again, right? Which he says, just stop friggin' apologizing. Mm-hmm. And Unity shows up, a younger Unity. Redhead. Yeah, Redhead, who then explains everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I don't look like this anymore. I'm your grandmother. This is a wonderful place. Yeah, it was a friend of mine. <laughs> I love that line. Yeah, that's a good line. Yeah. And uh, we get another great line. So here Unity explains it. And again, I'm, I am like, it feels right that Unity would die and know this, like that death brings you wisdom or something. Mm-hmm. But we also know that I guess that that death that brings you wisdom has to kind of be death. Yeah. Uh, which is odd, which kind of means that she was sort of here. Or at the moment of her death, the circumstances of the mysterious sleeping sickness that took her and all the things like her destiny mm. was maybe laid out in front of her at the end of her life. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But she points out she should have been the vortex. Mm-hmm. If you had not been imprisoned away from the dreaming, I would have been. Yeah. And he says. He's like, what? I do not understand. Of course you don't. You're obviously not very bright, but I shouldn't let it bother you. Which, uh, it's really true. Like Morpheus has great knowledge. He has great wisdom. Uh, He is clever, Mm -hmm. but he also seems to miss the most completely obvious things right in front of his face, right? When I read this, I laughed out loud. You did. And I I knew what it was, but I asked you anyway. That's a sick grandma burn right there. Yeah, this also is another of your predictions for this episode, but gone horribly wrong. You thought Dream would be clever and find a way to do it without killing Rose, when in fact, the person who finds out how to do it goes, you're not very clever. What I should have known is that ultimately, Mm -hmm. grandmas get shit done. Yes, I don't know if you recognize this on your read-through. Unity says to Rose, reach inside yourself and give me your heart. Mm-hmm. Reach inside and give me whatever it is that makes you the vortex. Give me your heart. And she says, you're, in the, you're, you're dreaming. You, anything's possible. Just do it. And she yeah. reaches in and pulls out this red crystal heart. Yeah. Which totally looks like the glass heart that the young man found. In the desert. In the desert entails in the Except sand. that heart was blue, blue. glass. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, a heart looks like a heart. And the handoff of it, but look. Yeah, that's the same shot. It's not exactly the same hand-holding positions, but I have an image comparing the two. You can see them. Mm -hmm. There is a definite, definite link with those two. Yeah. 
And it's a grandchild handing it to the grandparent. Oh, you're right. Yes, you are right. Yeah. And so Unity stands there holding the vortex in her hands, the heart. Mm -hmm. And she says, I am the vortex now, Dream King, as I should have been many years ago. I am the vortex and I am. And then she breaks the heart. Right. So Morpheus doesn't even get to kill her. Yeah. Doesn't even kill her. She shows up. Mike teaches drop. schools yeah mike <laughs> drops it's like schools everybody on how it's to happen yep. gets the heart and then is like i'm doing this myself because grandma's get shit done it's mm-hmm. so good love it and we cut back to the bedroom uh where unity is in bed with miranda and she wakes up gasping and then falls back dead yeah and the hands in the face crying of the daughter as her mother passes. I mean, it's also mm-hmm. kind of a relief too, right? When yeah. you're waiting for it. Yeah, brutal, brutal stuff. But there she is in the dreaming. Let me help you up. Hmm. And even Dream is a little confused now. Rose is confused. Are you still going to kill me? Well, no, there's no need. There's much here that Dream does not understand, but the vortex is gone and he sends her away. Uh, your family has suffered enough. Mm-hmm. He is bringing Jed back. Yeah. He's going to heal Jed. So Jed might not have made it even. So wait, Morpheus would have had it in his power to help Jed. <laughs> yeah. And what happened to Jed was his fault. It had to do with him getting captured and then all of his little minions escaping. Uh-huh. And there was a possibility that Dream was just not going to help this helpless little boy. Well, death is not a big deal to him. Right? But, if it, if Jed was going to die, then he would die and he would go on to whatever he would go on to and his sister would deal with it. That's how mortals work. This is a tortured child. Well, maybe death is a good thing then. Uh, I'm just saying from a I have lived for billions of years, Lord of the Dreaming point of view, right? That's This is part of his weakness is not being able to kind of understand things from a mortal point of view. I this guess. This is one of the reasons he's not so bright. I guess. Yeah. Goodbye, Rose Walker. Hmm. And then she woke up. And then she woke up is the conclusion to, among other things, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland Mm -hmm. and the movie version of The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. We cut to six months in the future. Mm -hmm. And in the very first panel, you can see Unity's dollhouse that she gave to Rose. Mm -hmm. We get an update on everybody from the house. Yeah. People are doing better. Um, Hal has decided to sell the house. Mm-hmm. Ken and Barbie broke up. Ken got a new partner who looks just like a younger version of Barbie. And Barbie's gone seriously weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's in Manhattan. The spider women are buying the house. Zelda actually spoke to Hal the other day. Mm-hmm. No one's seen Gilbert since. Uh, I, I'm guessing Rose is kind of like, that was a weird dream that happened the night my grandmother died. Yeah. Where that guy said he was going to have to kill me and my grandmother died instead of me. Wow, what a dream. Where's Gilbert? Right? Yeah. Um, in that panel, we have a couple of books and a couple of the uh, titles are actually readable. Empire of the Senseless by Kathy Acker and Sleeping in Flame by Jonathan Carroll. Both were published in 1988. Mm -hmm. Uh, Carroll is an American writer, often writing from Vienna, who writes surrealistic, fantastic, and often horrific fiction. Uh, That particular book is a modern retelling of the Rumpelstiltskin fairy tale. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. And Empire of the Senseless was written by Kathy Acker in 1988 and is described as a postmodern novel and, quote, not a pretty story. Neil indicates that Shirley Jackson's We Have Always Lived in the Castle and M.R. James's Ghost Stories of the Antiquary were in the script but didn't make it into the panel. So her mother, her brother, and her are very rich now because Unity left them all of her money and she had tons. Mm -hmm. Uh, It turns out when you're really wealthy and then you don't do anything your entire life, you don't actually spend your money. Yeah. Because you've been asleep. Um, And... Jed is doing better as well, and uh, and Rose has been keeping to herself. She's been locked away in her room pretty much this whole time. She never goes out. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, she talks about her old friend, Judy. Yeah, Judy was one of the people in the diner, the 24-hour diner. She mm-hmm. was one of those characters, the, the uh, one who poked her own eyes out. Yeah. If you skipped over that uh, episode, because it was horrifying. Um, Terrible. Judy, yeah. Judy became one more in a long list of dead lesbians in fiction. <laughs> yeah. Hooray. Oh. <laughs> and on the next page over, we've got a shot of Gilbert. That is actually a photograph of G.K. Chesterton, of course. Hmm. Here's the original. And we get another shot of the doll's house. Yeah. Well, we get a shot of the doll's house, and in the middle of this panel is a what would have been a a newspaper article i guess about the murder right that judy was a part of and mm-hmm. it, it has all the all the main players in it there mm-hmm. all the people who were in there if it was true my dream and lots of it is sort of hazy lots of it doesn't seem to make sense anymore although i'm sure it did at the time then 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 nothing makes any sense if my dream was true then everything we know everything we think we know is a lie It means the world's about as solid and as reliable as a layer of scum on the top of a well of black water, which goes down forever. And there are things in the depths that I don't even want to think about. It means more than that. It means that we're just dolls. We don't have a clue what's really going down. We just kid ourselves that we're in control of our lives while a paper's thickness away, things that would drive us mad if we thought about them for too long, play with us and move us around from room to room and put us away at night when they're tired or bored. It's a bit of a run-on sentence, Neil. Mm-hmm. So we've got her thinking, I'm just at the whim of these powerful forces. Yeah, I'm if, just a doll. I have no control. If everything that I experienced before is reality... Mm-hmm. then fuck reality, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I don't. I think she's just saying that if reality is bigger and more scarier than I can know, uh, I've seen a glimpse of it, mm. if, if that dream was real. But she doesn't seem to think that it was. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a reason why she doesn't want to think it's real, I yeah. think. Because she yeah. doesn't want to think that she's just a doll. It would drive you mad to think yeah. that way. It's like glimpsing a Lovecraftian horror And so she's been brooding on that night for too long now, six months, and she's decided, my dream, my weird dream, it was just a dream. Mm. And that's all, just a dream. And then she woke up. Hmm. And she dyes her hair red, which I think is her original color. Is that what we're saying here, that she had gone blonde with the colors? No, I don't think so. Um, she's decided. Anyway, she's decided to go red, which I'm pretty sure is an homage to Unity. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. She looks a lot like Unity when she dyes her hair red. Yeah. She looks a lot like young Unity. And, you know, from my experience, getting a drastically new hair color does help you reset your mind. 
Mm-hmm. It's a good it's a good way to remake yeah, yourself. Yeah, go go buy a couple of new outfits, get your clothes, your hair done. Mm-hmm. You feel a, different. Give yourself a little change. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And then she woke up. I suppose there are worse endings. Hmm. And then we get dreams ending. And this one is, as a person who loves the mystical and supernatural aspect, super fun. Yeah, this is super, super good. So remember the first time we saw the gallery of sigils? Mm-hmm. And we saw everybody's, and, and Death has the Ankh, and, and there's the book, and Dream has his helm. Mm-hmm. And we were in uh, Desire's gallery. And Desire's sigil was just, it seemed like it was just their own face. Mm-hmm. Maybe even a mirror, like almost. But here we see what it is in somebody else's gallery. It's a heart that looks crystal. Look at that heart. Desire, it- I stand in my gallery, and I hold your sigil. Talk to me. It looks just like the glass heart yeah. from the desert. It, and I think even, it is the glass heart. From he's the even desert. holding it with the two hands the same. Mm-hmm. So that's what's tying all of this together, right? This is the big reveal right here. Mm-hmm. Why, sweet dream, this is a surprise. Almost an event, I might say. Good. I'm coming through. You are? Oh, but of course, you know you're always welcome in my chambers. It's um lovely to see you. Can I get you anything you desire? And Dream points out what I pointed out. Unity Kincaid should have been the Dream Vortex of this era, yet she wasn't. The Vortex was instead transmitted along her genetic line to her granddaughter, Rose Walker. This is unprecedented in my experience. Someone has been meddling in my affairs, Desire, and this is your stink about it. Are you accusing me of interfering in another member of the family's domain? Obviously, that is exactly what I am doing. And I am accusing you of more than that. Dream is so straightforward. Yeah. He's just like, I don't play these little, don't don't play these little games and derails. <laughs> yes, yeah. I am. Because you did. Because, wait a minute, while she was in that sleep that was caused because I was imprisoned, who made her pregnant? And we know now. Mm-hmm. I also want to point out, when Desire hangs out in their chambers, as they call them, mm-hmm. they lie about on a fluffy blanket wearing a cat suit yeah. and ears yeah. and a tail oh, so pr- and heels and high heels. Yeah. Like, fantastic. Just fantastic. Mm-hmm. They're evil, but also fantastic. What did you truly intend, Desire? Was I to take the life of one of our blood with all that would entail? Or was it more devious than that? Does it matter, big brother? It didn't work. And then we get another talk about being dolls Mm -hmm. from the other side. Remember this. We of the endless are the servants of the living. We are not their masters. We exist because they know deep in their hearts that we exist. When the last living thing has left this universe, then our task will be done. And we do not manipulate them. If anything, they manipulate us. We are their toys, their dolls, if you will. And you and despair and even poor delirium should remember that. I don't understand. I am afraid that you don't. Very well, I shall tell you something that you will understand, sister, brother. Mess with me or mine again, and I will forget that you are family desire. 
So again, straightforward. Uh, yeah, you tried to make me kill a member of our family mm-hmm. by creating that member of our family. Mm-hmm. Right? So that means that Rose is his niece. Is a quarter endless. Yes. His grandniece. Yes. Yeah. And Rose's mother is half. Grand yeah, all of that. Is half endless. Yeah. And also they're both from desire. Mm-hmm. And Rose doesn't have good luck in her love life. No. And her mother is kind of unhappy. And remember her mother just was like, money, money, money. Yeah, what do we get? And her mother's like a chain smoker, got off and was like, ah, I had to smoke. Her mother's about desire as well, about wanting. Mm -hmm. And it seems like Rose is trying to figure it out the right way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And desire completely forgets this lesson. (laughs) No, that can't be. No, if I thought of the world in that way, it would drive me mad. So I just won't think of it that way. That's right. I love also um, their petulant smoking. Yes. Yeah. You know, like, well, whatever. I'm just going to smoke a cigarette and not think about things. And Desire smiles and forgets, for Desire is a creature of the moment. Hmm. And Desire walks the endless pathways of its body, certain that he or she or it is in sole and only control of its destiny, the only inhabitant of the twilight realm of Desire. And it feels nothing like a doll. Nothing like a doll at all. <laughs> I have a couple of instant follow-ups Some things okay. that I couldn't find uh, And I think I even noted I, I looked and couldn't find them And two of our listeners pointed them out to me And they're in these collected issues And I want to bring them up and thank them Fred Bremer, good friend of ours Managed to find the Hunting for Rabbits Again Vicar joke uh-huh. That was going on in the Hob Gadling story yeah. In the background and then today And uh, I have kind of a version of it here. It's about a gamekeeper meeting a vicar. A gamekeeper was patrolling the grounds of a large house where he was employed. He came across a man with his arm down a rabbit hole as he approached and poked the muzzle of his gun on the man's back. As the man turned around, the the gamekeeper recognized him as being the vicar. Vicar, I'm surprised at you stealing rabbits. I'm only catching one for my tea, said the vicar. But there must be over 30 rabbits here. How did you manage to catch this many? Well, if I tell you my rabbit catching secret, will you let me go? I might do. Now tell tell me how you do it. Very well. Before I come out, I put my hands up a woman's skirt. The smell on my fingers is irresistible to rabbits. Oh, well, get out of here and don't let me catch you again. The gamekeeper took the rabbits and sold them for two pounds each. He thought that later he'd like to get some more to sell, so he remembered what the vicar told him. He raced home, ran to the kitchen to see his wife just bending down to put something in the oven. Without hesitation, he shoves his hand up her skirt and had a grope. Without even turning around to look, his wife says, Oh, hello, vicar, going poaching again? (laughs) Oh, wow, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So big thanks to Fred Bremer for that. And a big thanks to listener Matthew Sanborn-Smith, who actually originally read the Swamp Thing comic, Mm -hmm. The Bogeyman, which featured the serial killer, The Bogeyman, Mm -hmm. that the uh, Chased magazine guy pretended to be. Oh. Remember? No, I swear I'm the bogeyman. Yeah. She had She had eyes that was like this. Yeah. And I have a summary from uh, the DC Wikia page. In Louisiana, a man is murdered by a serial killer who calls himself the bogeyman and who remembers all of his 165 victims by their eyes and in the order in which he killed them. A shortcut the bogeyman takes brings him into contact with the Swamp Thing, who found the body of his earlier victim. The murderer comes to believe that the Swamp Thing is the new bogeyman, his replacement. As he struggles to escape, the killer falls into the mud and sinks below the surface, where he's tormented by the spirits of his victims as he drowns. Hmm. 
spoilers for that issue. But <laughs> you know, uh, so that's why the Corinthian was sure that the bogeyman was dead. Mm-hmm. I guess he probably has some kind of connection to all these serial killers. So well, he's he just been kind reading of the comics. It. Oh, he was. Oh, he read the Swamp Thing. Yeah, he was reading the Swamp Thing. That's what it was. Yeah, he of reads course. them and then he eats them with right. his eyes. Lots of fiber in a comic. This is the end of the Doll's House collection. What did you think of this story overall, the storyline? I liked it. Mm-hmm. I really liked this story arc. It was very interesting to me. Um, I liked how many cool female characters there were in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked that we were introduced to Desire. And, and did you notice the mention of Delirium? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I also found it to be less horrifying than certain episodes of... <laughs> Uh, the previous series. Well, the serial convention was pretty terrible. It was yeah. terrible, but in the previous one, I mean, there were lots of, there's lots of terrible things, but also mm-hmm. some good things, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and some whimsical episodes. Neil, this is what I love about Neil, that he can write stories that involve serial killer conventions mm-hmm. and and not lessen the awfulness of what that actually would mean Mm -hmm. while at the same time presenting it as like entertaining and kind of funny yeah you're right like i mean there's Funland. i mean it's not funny what he does were he real Mm -hmm. but he himself is still kind of funny and sad and pathetic yeah yeah and neil manages to bring that out and also manages to let them to show how they feel they're cool right to to kind of acknowledge that that pop culture you know bad guy cool kind of feel Mm -hmm. that they've got and then at the end to go you're just fooling yourselves don't ever fool yourselves ever again and it's kind of a good little message to people who would idolize those serial killer types Mm -hmm. right because there are people who do that who just absolutely oh yeah like dive into that kind of thing well that's what the boogeyman was the fake boogeyman yeah yeah he was someone who wanted to get into their convention to know like he also hated women yeah. And thought that they were objects and blah, 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 all yeah. of that stuff. But he didn't, he wasn't willing to or wasn't able to just go ahead and start killing. So instead, he pretended to be one of them to get to be near them and mm-hmm. sell them his magazine. <laughs> yeah. So we're moving on to our next collection, mm-hmm. which is called Dream Country. Okay. Dream Country collects issues 17 through 20, mm-hmm. but each one of them is an individual self contained story. Oh, it's not one big. So you're going to get four different self-contained stories. This is actually the collection that when I want to get people like hooked on the Sandman, I hand this one to them. Because they don't need the backstory. They're wonderfully standalone. It doesn't have that weird, who's this guy? Why is he imprisoned? Who's this magician? Mm -hmm. What's up with the Ruby thing going on? Yeah. Uh, We're all established. And some of them absolutely will... You know, you're going to have references later on in the story arcs, but Mm -hmm. on their own. And one of them was the World Fantasy Award winner for Best Short Story the year that it came out. Okay. Wow. Okay. But the first one we're going to look at is issue 17, Calliope. Calliope. Yes. Predictions? Can I get a definition first of the word Calliope? Would you like to know who or what Calliope is? Yes. Calliope was one of the muses. Oh. Which muse? She was the muse who presided over eloquence and epic poetry. Oh. She is spoken of by Ovid as chief of all muses. 
Oh. Queen Muse. The monarch. President Muse. I think that meeting a muse would be a completely reasonable thing to do in one of these stories. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I 100% believe that we could meet a muse. Okay. I mean, really, we've met the three, so yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what's going to happen? Why are we going to have a self-contained Sandman-related... Uh, Morpheus does show up in it. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, the story's about Calliope, but then oh. Morpheus does show up. Calliope needs someone to be her muse. Okay. So she maybe she inspires others but now she is looking to be inspired she goes to the dream lord to do that yeah all right we'll have to see how that ends up yeah next episode you've been dreaming of the sandman issue 16 lost hearts for show notes and images visit thedreaming.motivedust.com support future episodes at patreon.com slash the dreaming Like us on Facebook, rate and review us on your favorite podcast apps, including Google Play Music and iTunes. Our theme music is Oneri by Kai Engel. Hear more at kaiengel.bandcamp.com. The Dreaming was recorded in Burnaby, British Columbia, Canada, on the unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, Kikate, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. I'm Joe Fulgham. Thanks for listening. Time to wake up.